Speaking of homeownership. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Loser Like Me. A Glee Reek. Wait, oh, wait. Is this Loser Like Me or Loser Like Glee? Loser Like, it's like me. me. Like me. <laughs> you are not a loser. Shut up. I'm a different kind of loser. I have a podcast. <laughs> well, then we're all losers here. We are. We're all minorities. <laughs> we'll cross that terribly constructed bridge when we get to it. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Hello and welcome to Loser Like Me, a Glee recap podcast with me, Tanner. And me, Christina. Today we have watched episode two of ep- season one, episode two of Glee. It's called Showmance. Yes, it is. Jazz I'm not sure why. I The only reason that I can think of them calling it Showmance is because a showmance is literally defined as a romance between people in a in a theater type production. See, my familiarity with the term is hearing it on Big Brother. What is the Big Brother context? Um, just the sh- the show Big Brother. A showmance is it's basically a relationship on the show where m- most parties are aware of the fact that there's a good chance it won't last outside of the house. Mm-hmm. But you're you're you've come together for game support and emotional support okay. and bedroom support. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like that's something that maybe is. I feel like in this context, Glee means it more genuinely than the performance aspect from Big Brother. But that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like titles for episode two. Uh, the the very first second episode of anything is hard to come up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, the second episode of my podcast was Christina and Christina, so... <laughs> <laughs> Self-drag. Anyways, we start with uh, Kurt being hurtled into a dumpster again. We start we start with a really fun, like, introductory thing, because it's like, it's all of them, hey, we're meeting up in the parking lot, just kind of like we did in episode one, but now everyone's talking to each other. They're, we're now friends, allegedly. Yes, there's communication between the cliques. Uh, Rachel, Rachel mentioned in the scene that she was photocopying music from books from the library, and I'm like, ah, yes, the true music nerd culture. Completely ignoring the do not photocopy instructions on your sheet music. Exactly. I, when, when Wilp walks past Kurt being thrown in the, in the jumpster to jazz music, uh, <laughs> Puck says buenos nachos, and I'm like, there has to have been like a, Mex, like a Tex-Mex restaurant somewhere in like the Rust Belt, right? I guarantee there's probably five. Oh yeah. Oh I- Yeah. <laughs> If I did a quick Google Maps. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they wa- it's like, it's a fun, like, hey, this is the beginning of the school day starting. And they they all walk into school. Rachel has a rolling backpack, which I find hilarious. 
<laughs> it's like she walked straight out of one of those like podcast ads for luggage. <laughs> um whatever they're called. Um Will like Will walks into school and he walks past someone who is apparently Hank Saunders, the guy who was um the guy who was molested in the previous episode. <laughs> oh, really? Apparently that was him. <laughs> but All right then. He was standing there playing guitar, and I was like, why does Will just not seize on the chance to recruit this kid who is exhibiting musical talent to the Glee Club? Oh, right. That, I guess that was the guitar guy. Yeah, it's weird. It's... Me? I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, we're already going into the nebulous situation. <laughs> Tanner has already broken, and we're not even five minutes into the episode yet. We're only two episodes into the series. We're already entering the nebulous situation of, does the jazz band not... Are they not affected by the the um opinions of of the populace of of the reputation? I th- I feel like at this point the instru- the more instrumental music groups are probably immune, and if there is a theater department, they're probably more immune. They're probably barely immune, but maybe still not good by association. If that makes sense. Hmm. We also, as he's going through, and I think this is actually pretty close to Guitar Guy, we see Emma basically staging a situation where she can bump into a by accident. She stages a meet cute. She and does. And it's, it's a little bit creepy because she has his, she knows his schedule to the point where she is watching, she's like, she's got her eyes on her watch, she's got it timed out so that she can have a meet cute with Will. I mean, it's... It's it's a bit, but also completely in character, considering she was doing hearts around the yearbook on Will. Yes, it it is very in character. I'm just like, ooh, that's that's a little bit, that that's a little bit maybe not the best way of social interactions. But I digress. Yeah, as they continue their their meet cute, mm-hmm. maybe. Oh, wait a second, maybe they're the showmans. I mean, see, I, w- I was I was under the impression that it was um, Finn and Rachel, but because Emma is not directly involved in the Glee Club. But it's but it's the f- or or wait, maybe maybe it's Emma and Ken who end up being the showmans. We can get we we can talk about that when we get there. <laughs> It's it it's, it depends on your definition of showmance. If you want to go like showmance in theater or showmance is pretend. Okay, in that ca- in that case, then yes, Ken and Ken and Emma are the showmans in the fake sense. Is a showman's just a straight beard? Um, I don't know how I feel about that. How many steps away is showman's from fake dating AU? Um, pretty far because like. A showmance is defined as like, oh, like this is a situational thing, and once it's once once the situation is finished, then we are no longer going to be together. Maybe. But that's how fake dating starts too. But then you catch feelings. Well, we're not to the we're not to the catch feelings part of it yet. Mostly, that's true. <laughs> no one either. No one has caught a single feeling, or people have caught feelings before the show began. Yeah, that's true. Or well, I guess we can say that Rachel catches the feelings. Yes. That she does. She feels her first emotion. Uh, second emotion. Second emotion besides gold stars. Yeah, I guess that is an emotion. <laughs> Anyways, um, they're, they're, they're talking and Santana shows up and she demands that Will meets with Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
so here's the thing. It's been a while since we recorded the last episode. Christina refreshed herself. I did not. So my next, all my next note says is Sue claims she euthanized her mother. Yeah. Um, y'all probably heard it in the last episode. Um, but in, in Glee, Sue is kind of the hate sink where Ryan Murphy and the rest of the writing team literally just took every possible, like, hate by association thing they could think of and just tossed it into the bucket that is Sue's character. Not, e- not even necessarily restricted to hate, just the bizarre. If you if you can't picture a single real person saying that stuff, then that's Sue who says it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, in this uh, in this scene in particular, Sue has Sue says a lot of really nasty things about peop- literally everyone who is differently abled. And it sucks. <laughs> it not only is it bad, but later as when we get further in the show, we will find that it is a cont- continuatively continuity error. It it does not make sense for the character. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That's okay. I yeah. I do, I'm I'm willing to give a bit of the leeway characterization wise because they're still early in the show, and also Sue wasn't supposed to appear past the pilot. Really? And then Fox, yeah, and then Fox said basically the show's great, but the club needs a nemesis, and they're like, well, I guess we'll just keep Jane Lynch on as a series regular. Mm-hmm. She's probably the most famous person in the cast, so yeah, and they did, <laughs> and and they did, but they they still didn't really have any ideas for Sue other than. Ooh, she nasty. Yeah, and she is, because she hauls out a library book that she checked out um, with show choir rules that are presumably out of date, saying that they need at least 12 people to be able to compete in regionals for Glee, which means that Will has to go recruit people, and Sue tries to intimidate him by lifting her three-pound arm weights. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like... Okay, my like my I'm an artist. I am not a I'm not like an athlete, but even I know that three pounds doesn't really do squat. Yeah, it's it's more of a time thing than an intimidation thing. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Also, my other note says, "How is Will already calling the club his kids? He's known them a week." Because, well, look, when when Will's home life is so terrible, you latch on to whatever positive relationships you can find. Oh, God, he's imprinted on them. Yes. Does this make them the, ba- the parent birds hatching the baby chick, or is he the parent bird hatching them? Will, Will is a baby bird in the sense that he's an absolute mess and the Glee Club has to make him become a, a, a real man. Yeah. So have fun with that mental image, everyone. Anyways, we then cut over to Quinn. He's arguing with Finn. She wants mm-hmm. him to quit the Glee Club because everyone thinks he's gay. Because mm-hmm. music's gay. Mm-hmm. And they they have a spat. Rachel, we should also mention that Rachel is standing there eavesdropping, but also watching everything that happens in a compact mirror, which she is holding over her shoulder like a teenage spy. <laughs> uh but yeah, they they don't. <laughs> Finn is like, okay, well, I like I I'll think about quitting Glee Club, and then Quinn's like, oh, like I'll let you touch my breast if you quit Glee Club, and I'm like, <laughs> but the, but then the 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 clincher for Finn staying in Glee Club is that 
he he asks if it'll be under the shirt, and she says it has to be over the bra. And he's like, no, I'll say angly. Yeah. Which is yikes. But yeah, and then... But it's supposed to be yikes. Yeah, and this, it, this it is. This is an intentional yikes. Yes, it is an intentional yikes. Um, at this point, Quinn, Quinn has been aware of the fact that Rachel's been eavesdropping this whole time. And they have some good old fa- fashioned women cannot be friends, they can only be enemies. Um, because Quinn basically says, like, get your, get your man hands off my man. <laughs> and Rachel is like, like it's like it's okay. Everybody, everybody's attracted to me. I'm Rachel Berry. And then she immediately gets hit by two slushies. Yeah, slushy number three for the series. I am yeah. keeping track. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I'm also keeping track of certain things, but I'll I'll save that for the end. Yeah, it's a secret tool that we'll use for later. Oh boy. Um. Yeah, then they they get to go do glee practice and they sing they sing Freak Out, which is a disco song, and it is literally a song that Will sang when he was in high school. Yeah. So they somehow hope this will get them more recruits. Well, let's be specific here. Will hopes this will get them more recruits. No one else has any confidence in the choice of music. Will has not spoken to a child since he was one? Nope. Will has, in- Will has not listened to the pop for to the top forty radio station on his car radio since he was in high school. Will only listens to bootleg recordings of his own Glee performances, and also Spanish language music. Yes, which he learns nothing from. Also, one of the, one of the many very good quotes from the episode when Will is trying to argue that. The performance is bad because the club just can't get into it. And Kurt counters, no, it's the song. It's really gay. Yeah. And then he says something that really concerns me, which is, they'll throw fruit at us. (laughs) Which is not super great. Especially because it sounds like he's speaking from experience. Oh, that's unfortunate. But I'm I'm pretty sure they're just channeling, you know, the classic trope. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm sure they're channeling, you know, throwing tomatoes and stuff, but it's... So let's talk about demon children. Oh, see, I was gonna say, so let's talk about Will and Terry buying a house from Dolores Umbridge. They kind of overlap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Terry is Terry is determined that they are going to have a house to raise this child in, and that it has to specifically be a new house, because... They don't want, she doesn't want to buy a pre-owned house, I guess. No house thrifting. Um, Whereas, I'll take all the pre-owned houses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me, I I want my home to be haunted as fuck. See, I'm over here, I'm like, I don't, as long as it's not haunted, I don't care. For sale. Ghost house. Never owned. (laughs) You put up a description like that on a house on, like, realtors.com, and people from Tumblr would go nuts. (laughs) This is Haunted House Watch. (laughs) (laughs) No, it has to be a new home, and Mm -hmm. it has to have, what was it, like? A sundook and a foyer. A grand foyer. A grand foyer. This all started because Will and Terry were having brunch with uh, Terry's sister, Kendra, and Mm -hmm. her husband, who I don't think is ever named. I, I feel like Kendra may have stolen his name so that he can only serve her. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Phil, according to the credits. 
Okay. It's it's not relevant. Phil's not a real person. He, his soul has been consumed by his wife. Yeah, and his poor guy. Three terrible children who are terrible because of the parents. I always blame the parents. It's my favorite pastime. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't think the kids are terrible. I think they are just. I think they're just being hyperactive, like five or six year olds, and they're acting out because their parents don't do a good job of parenting them. Exactly. And and Kendra wields. Wields the child hyperactivity as a weapon to force mm-hmm. Will to get a new home for Terry. Yes, and uh, <laughs> she wields the the threat of having three ginger of having ginger triplets at Will, so that he <laughs> will kowtow to Terry's um, extravagant consumerism. Yep. Oh yeah, because they can't they can't convert the crafting room from the last episode because a woman needs her safe space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so instead they tour this house that has the sun nook and the grand foyer, or foyer, and they walk upstairs to, like, the demonstration bedroom, I guess, and Terry is like, this is where our daughter, our gay son, will sleep, and I'm like, (laughs) See, you had that reaction. I, I, I still love that line. Yeah. And then Will has another, like, I'm so committed to my wife and this child. I'm going to be the best ever moment. And so he he agrees to get them at least one. Somehow. Yeah, the, t- Terry refers to the decision between the Sunnook and the Grand Foyer as her very own Sophie's Choice. Which would you pick? Would you rather have a Sunnook or a Grand Foyer? Uh, Sunnook, because Grand Foyer just, uh, it's a glorified boot room. Yeah. I also would go with the sun duck. You call it a foyer and all of a sudden you have to keep it clean. A boot room, you just throw a mat in there and you're good. Mm-hmm. That's true. This is where I had a, a note to myself, which is the women in this show have two modes. Either they're ingenues or they're over-stereotyped bitches. Again, we're in the early days. I know. I'm just... There will be depth. <laughs> I know. And I'm looking forward to the depth. It's just right now it's not super great. I, I feel like... Yo, so I've been ep- editing episode zero, and you mentioned how you're a lot more open to the goodness of the show, and I was being extremely cynical, but I feel like you've had a lot more concerned reactions to some of the one-liners, where I'm like, oh no, these are supposed to be characters of real per- people. They're not real yet. Okay, we are going to get some good stuff in this episode, though, so I promise I will be positive. <laughs> here's here's another good line, which I, I feel like it may have been an ad-lib, because there's no attention drawn to it, but the next scene is in the choir room. Mm-hmm. And as I th- either Will or Rich, someone is entering the choir room, but as they do, it's panning away from Kurt and Mercedes talking as Kurt mm-hmm. says to Mercedes, you need to call me before you dress yourself. You look like a Technicolor zebra. See, I, I like her Lisa Frank rainbow zebra hoodie. I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's fun too, but it also does encapsulate Kurt's other character trait, which is, yeah, he's fashion gay, but he's also extremely deadpan snarker. Kurt's mm-hmm. not sassy. Kurt will cut you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We should mention that when they pan away from Mercedes and Kurt arguing, we pan over to Finn, who is trying to remember how to tie his shoes, and Rachel is pining very, very obviously. That's adorable and sounds like something I would do. <laughs> That That is kind of similar to another thing Finn says in the episode where he mentions that he's still trying to learn how to walk and sing at the same time. Yeah, poor Finn. He's just, he's a good boy. He's just extremely dumb. So Will finally um, emerges for this class meeting. 
<laughs> and he he says something about like communication is the foundation of every successful musical group. And then he proceeds to not listen to what his students are asking him. Which is they are asking him, please God, please no disco, please, we don't want to be castigated again in front of all of our peers. <laughs> He, he listens to them about 30% because he says that we still have to do disco because it's the only one thing, it's the only number we have any, like, foundation for in time for the pep rally. But to make you guys happy, we, c- we can have a little bit of easy. Mm-hmm. So they go to practice a song, which is, I guess, is just the, hey, let's just work on our, let's just work on our cooperation and team building exercises by singing a song that we're never going to perform again. Let's let's learn how to walk and sing at the same time. They sing Gold Digger by Kanye West featuring Jamie Foxx. And Will does have to go over to Finn and physically pick his foot up and put it down to teach him how to basically step back and forth while singing. Yeah. I will say this, like, Gold Digger is a very good number. Like, when Mercedes gets to take, like, the, in- the introductory hook into the song, yeah. and, like, Fred the Pianist, like, his mouth was open because she is killing it because amber riley is so good there's no bad mercedes songs this i listened to the song a lot when i when glee was on the air and i was uh and i was still watching it and i listened to the song enough that i can i can rap pretty much everything they rap in this version of the song and i also can do the choreography oh wow (laughs) because it's simple choreography and some parts of some parts of gold digger are good um, I especially like the part in Gold Digger where the backing vocals actually sounds like the kids doing the backing vocals. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if it actually is them or if it's just like the... Um, the Invisible Chorus. <laughs> basically, yeah. I'm not sure who it is, but it sounds like it's actually a bunch of kids singing in the background. So I like mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. I I like how awkward the whole number is because it's supposed to be a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And it's good. I like how Kurt is incredibly stiff. Yeah. And then at the very end of the number, he kind of holds up the devil horns to try and look cool. And then he holds it to Mercedes as if to say, am I doing this right? Oh, I didn't notice that. Thank you for thank you for remembering that. (laughs) And of course, all of this is set over a montage of terrible, miserable house shopping with Terry, the consumerist paragon. You could almost call her a gold digger. Oh! Symbolism! <laughs> it's... I, no, I'm going to be positive. I'm not going to say what I was just going to say. <laughs> Tenth grade creative writing level symbolism. That's at least 11th. Um, yeah. We come back from the commercial break to Emma in the bathroom. And then um, Rachel was trying to throw up in the bathroom... And it's implied that bulimia is a really big problem at their high school. <laughs> I got, I do gotta say, like, so this kind of joke kind of falls into the same category of, like, they're exaggerating normal human and normal teen behavior, and the joke is just how weirdly it's dealt with rather than the disorder itself. Mm-hmm. But, and also I know this is very early, but I will say, knowing the rest of the show, Glee never really dealt with eating disorders very well. Nope. And, and they really did turn the, the disorders themselves into punchlines too many times. Mm-hmm. Once is too many times, but, like, too many times. Yeah. So this is, this is one that's, like, retroactively yikes. Yeah. 
Now, the positive thing is that Emma tells Rachel, we need to have, like, let's go have a talk in my office. Yeah. And then we get to have some really wonderful set dressing. I wrote stuff down. I, um, pamphlet watch, do 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 do, this is pamphlet watch. <laughs> this, this is God bless the Glee set design. <laughs> um, the brochures in Emma's office are, ouch, that stings. Divorce, why your parents stopped loving you. I can't stop touching myself. Mood. Radon, the silent killer. Also mood. Can I read this one? Yeah, go for it. My mom's bipolar and she won't stop yelling! (laughs) All caps. (laughs) Um, wow, there's hair down there. And then the one that Emma hands Rachel, which is, so you like throwing up, understanding and overcoming bulimia. And all of these have, like, wiki how level of illustrations on them. Yeah, they're beautiful. They are. Um, should, and while we're still in the set dressing watch, um, at, in this scene, Will is featured, like, looking at a bulletin board. And some of the classifieds listed there are, See Mr. Juno, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. <laughs> And one that just doesn't have any punctuation, so I'm going to read it as it's written. Oh, boy. Great job, great job, great job. You will need computer access for this opportunity. <laughs> so, like, great job. Great job. Um, yeah. This scene is pretty much, um, Rachel is having feelings for Finn, and she wants to be like Quinn? Question mark? She wants to be pretty like that for Bray Girl. And she's somehow made the connection that she needs to lose weight to do that. Because even though Leah Michelle is gorgeous and even their mousification of Rachel still makes it clear Leah Michelle is incredibly attractive. In in the text of the show, mm-hmm. Rachel is kind of uh She's Hollywood fat. <laughs> I think I don't know if Emma ever says it, but the implication is that the issue wasn't even her weight, it's just her being self-conscious. So I guess they did one good thing with the eating disorder was that yeah. it's not about the actual weight, it's about the perceived self-image. Perception. Yeah, because I guess in the text yeah. of the show, Rachel hasn't learned either how to be pretty or how to see herself as pretty and then become pretty through the transitive property, which is really how it happens. I'm attractive when I'm convinced myself that I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a note here, which is um, Rachel wants to be thin and prettier like Quinn. My note here is, the gay problem, do I want to be her or do I want to date her? (laughs) Because I will not stop campaigning that this show should not be nearly as straight as it is. And, you know, it really says something about the time as it came out and where it was still considered the gayest show on television. Yeah. Um, Anyways, basically, Emma and Rachel talk about feelings and how you don't really have to change yourself to make a person like you. And you should start with a common interest to, like... Yeah. Grow grow together, which is good advice, because... Yeah, which is, like, really good advice. It also means that if you don't have any common interests, then maybe you're just in lust with the person. You can kind of move on. Mm-hmm. There is also... I have to mention the, Gil- the Gilligan cut. Have you ever loved... Um, it was so good. <laughs> have you ever liked somebody so much you just want to lock yourself in your room, turn on sad music, and cry? Cut to... Oh, I'm by myself! <laughs> <laughs> and then cut back to Emma. No. <laughs> Which 
I I feel like they had to they milked the shit out of in like promos and stuff. Oh yeah, because it's just it's a really funny moment. Also, Emma kind of superimposes her own feelings for Will on top of Rachel's feelings for Finn. Oh, she's so projecting. <laughs> she's extremely projecting. She mentions that um, it's probably not a even good... if he's got a baby on the way. <laughs> and then Rachel follows Emma's gaze, and they both directly look at Will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I, I think Rachel is just going to be tactful and just be like, I'm not going to mention this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut to another commercial break um, to Finn and Rachel in the principal's office with Will and Sue. And I forgot that this scene happened and I thought they got caught doing something they weren't supposed to. They, they play it up. I, so thought they, th- I thought they were having sex or something. Yeah, because it comes right after the thing where it's like, find a common interest and maybe you'll get together. And Rachel has like this big grin. Mm-hmm. And so the implication is, oh, the teens are banging in the staff room or something like that. But no, they mm-hmm. were just, they were using the photocopier. The, they're printing off uh, like yeah. photo collages of musicians mm-hmm. who had been in Glee Club to encourage people to sign up. The most mm-hmm. horrifying thing about this scene is that one of those musicians is Robin Thicke! Yeah. Fuck him. Like, I have not delivered, I have not listened to a song of his since he be- since he first entered onto the music scene and all of the really terrible stuff started coming out. I changed the radio station if it comes on. And I'm sitting here thinking, is he even relevant? No. He wasn't relevant when this came out in 09. I th- I think one of the producers on Glee, like, I think Robin Thicke was, like, their niche favorite artist, like, when he first started out. And mm-hmm. the, one of the producers was like, let me try and sneak him in there. Or maybe oh, no. they're a fan of Alan Thicke, and, but they couldn't justify putting a picture of Alan Thicke in there. So they put Robin in instead. <laughs> it was a bad choice. On all accounts. It was a bad, not, I mean, yeah, it was a bad choice, but it was a weird choice. It was a weird bad choice. Yeah. Yeah, but it turns out that, um, Sue walked in to, like, discover them making these copies, and was she just, like, drinking, like, straight-up tubby custard because she drops her nutrient shake and it is bubblegum pink? I mean, the nu- the nutrient shake is full of so many bizarre things. Like, if I remember from a later episode, there's definitely, like, 40% Ipecac, so that's something. So Tubby Custard definitely could be an ingredient in this shake. Yeah. Say hello to mechanically separated chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, we're so old. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Figgins arbitrates that the... Uh, that he's going, that they just need to pay for the copies and they have to pay Sue 77 American cents <laughs> for making their 17 photocopies. And then Sue has to clean up after herself. Yes, but she doesn't. No, she comes in with a, a lame doctor's note and makes Figgins do it himself. Not, not even a doctor's note, a note from the McKinley High School like school nurse. Yeah. Shocking that this school still affords a nurse. Yeah, really. Based on everything that goes on in this show, you'd think that's the first to go. It has to be for liability reasons. Yeah, Rachel offers to help Finn practice to get over his stage fright, but he tells her, no, I have to go to celibacy club, and Rachel gets an idea. You see, like, the cartoon light bulb go on over her head. We see the celibacy club. 
and Puck talks. Oh wait, no, oh, wait. it starts do, with the girls' we, half. No, do we want to skip the fight in the bathtub? <laughs> I didn't take any notes on the bathtub fight. Um, basically, it's that um, Will and Terry have a fight about how they're going to pay for the house. Terry gets upset that Will's putting so much effort into the Glee Club when he's not getting anything back, especially like extra money, extra pay. And um, I have a ma- I have a math corner here, an unconventional segment for me, Christina, a professional artist. Oh boy, the math corner. <laughs> um, so I did some googling, and the average teacher salary in Ohio in two thousand and nine was $62,650. That is not adjusted for inflation. Um, So we can assume that probably the high school pay that Will would be making because William McKinley High School does not have much of a budget for anything, especially paying teachers, I assume. Yeah. Um, That we can can assume his salary is probably closer to like 55K a year. Okay. but then I also looked up the average salary for uh, for an assistant store manager at Linens and Things because it was, because um it actually like shut down in two thousand and eight, but I figured it's close enough, and that average salary was sixty two thousand six hundred and forty dollars per year. So Terry might be making more money than Will. <sighs> Like, this is even before the whole wheel taking up extra jobs thing. Yeah. So, like, I mean, she does have a point about needing to pay teachers better, but... But Terry is Terry. Yes, Terry is Terry-able. Terry doesn't like when things are not about her. No. I am confused when not am about me. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, so Will takes up the a janitor's job at the school in addition to Glee Club duties to help pay for stuff. Yeah. And then we get to go to Celebacy Club. Then we Club. get to go. Yay! But, but, but just the girls' half first. They're mm-hmm. separate for the first half, and then they come together. Yep, they're having like, they're having like, oh gosh, they're having like breakout sessions. Like, okay, all the boys go in this room and all the girls go in this room. And this is, it's not even, <sighs> I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this. <laughs> so it's, it is purposefully preposterous, the whole situation, because on the guy's side, the guys are just sharing almost had sex stories. Like there's yes. one character. Oh, this is our first appearance of Jacob Ben Israel, who I loathe with a fiery passion. Yeah. Because he's, he's such a nothing character that gets put into the, so many situations. So many. Jacob, Jacob Ben Israel. My nemesis, Jacob Ben Israel. He's he's the, he's the character, for context, Jacob Ben Israel is obviously Jewish. And he's very much so, like, he fills the role of the nerd in the story who is pretty much just there to be, like, made fun of, which sucks in any continuity. I, I, hate, I hate the concept of the character because it's so stereotypical and uncomfortable, but I also hate the character himself because he's a nasty little creep. He is. Yeah. But also the guys, he's, he's the only person saying, like, how do we control urges? Meanwhile, Puck is like, oh, one time Santana bent over and I saw her ovaries. And I'm like... That sounds yeah. biologically unsound. He refers to cheerleaders' skirts as crunchy toast, which is how have you have you tasted a skirt? Have you tried to eat a skirt, Puck? I have not read that fanfic. I don't want to read that fanfic. 
I mean, I didn't want to um, read certain fanfics either, but you're looking for certain ships and you stumble upon them thinking it's one thing and then something else because they don't know how to use the AO3 tags properly. Anyways, in the girls' side of things, they're basically saying that the skirts are, are perfect for teasing the guys. Yep, it's all about the teasing and not about the pleasing. So, so what is the purpose here? Is this, is this just a, a very extended sub-dom relationship? I don't know. It's it's definitely it feels like it's definitely more so about power, and about the and about the girls in this context controlling the men or the boys. Let's just call them boys. The girls controlling the boys, which is... These are teens. Let's remember these are teens. Yeah, the teens. Which is not super great. Um, like, because the the whole concept is like, oh, hey, like, in, like, let's promote celibacy, but let's do it as... Instead of celibacy as, like, you know, maybe it should be used, which is an acceptable way of, which is an acceptable reason for not having sex. They're like, let's make it about power and control in our interpersonal relationships. Yeah, it's very much the the worst result of an abstinence-only, okay, maybe not the worst result, but definitely a very bad result of an abstinence-only environment. Yes. And, yeah, and there's, there's some really awkward sex stuff. Um, Jacob met when Jacob asked that question about like like how do you not how do you not climax early <laughs> um my my note here is I'm too ace for this okay let um, me talk about it then according <laughs> yeah, to Glee, go for it. you think of a terrifying image to immediately cut short the impending <laughs> orgasm for Finn it's the time he did a driving lesson with his mom and he ran over and possibly killed a mailman a mail worker yeah it Sucks. <laughs> and this scene gets used a lot. This is another I scene I think is extremely funny, though. Yeah, yeah. It it is. It's just like they were like, okay, we have this footage. We got we have this footage of Romy Rosemont in this wig. We are going to use it. Driving is fun. Who says you need a strong father figure? Boom! Right into the mailman. Yeah, and like it's terrifying. <laughs> I definitely can relate to Finn. Because that is a terrifying and traumatic incident. Yeah. But apparently it works. Apparently it works. Um, they have some more weird... Uh, they have a weird, like, game they play, which is like, oh, like... If the balloon <laughs> pops... They, so the guys and the girls pair up with a balloon between their crotches, and then they try mm -hmm. and get close, and then Quinn declares if the balloon pops, the sound makes the angels cry. Mm-hmm. So the game here is like... See how long you can maintain physical contact without something causing the balloon to pop. And I'm like, I'm over here. I'm like, okay, the, like the only things that can pop a balloon is incredibly, incredibly rapid friction or actual sharp objects. Which is how Puck can just grind into that balloon. Yeah, it's terrifying. Anyways, then Finn pops the balloon, and Rachel just deci decides to declare that girls want sex just as much as guys do, and an abstinence-only education is a, mm -hmm. a terrible environment. So my notes basically say, it's a good point about not doing abstinence-only education, but a bad point in the moral that teens are too horny to not fuck. Yeah, see, I... Both of us have been teens, and the, the, best, the best sex education is a combination of 
both educating about abstinence and celibacy, but also about contraception and safe usage and safe sex. I zoned out of all my sex ed that I got in high school because it was all heterosexual and I did not have any time for that. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have any interest, so I was probably drawing my way through the class. Same. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just like sitting yeah. like, well, I guess I'll have to find some, uh, <laughs> some R-rated sites to explain how all this is going to work for me. Yikes. And I'm not worrying about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we get to cut to Will scraping gum off the floor. Delightful. Or no, off of desks, which is delightful. Basically, this whole scene is Will and Emma bonding over cleaning the school. They flirt, and it's really cute. It's extremely cute. Uh... Most of it's really cute. <laughs> it does dovetail into the and the first part of Emma's origin story, of which we'll get many parts throughout the show. Mm -hmm. Some of them conflicting parts, but whatever. Well, see, okay, so we get the first quote-unquote origin for her OCD or her germophobia. You know, we should probably refer to it more as germophobia because that's what it represents itself more than any obsessive-compulsive stuff beyond just cleaning. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, she really wanted to be a dairy farmer. And then her, she went on a tour of one, and then her brother knocked her into the runoff lagoon, and ever since, she was just kind of traumatized. Yeah. And we're going to get conflicting reports of this throughout the show, but I actually don't mind that. I like that it's mm -hmm. not just one thing. Like, they never stay out, state outright, but if you look at the subtext, it's saying that it's a combination of a lot of factors that can cause a person oh, to yeah. develop this kind of brain stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Will offers to help her out with like, hey, let's talk through some of your issues. And she tells him the hypochondria story. And then I, my note here is, oh no, time for sexy chalk dust. My note is, don't come at me with this exposure therapy claptrap. Yeah, because what, what Will does to try and help her with like, you know, being not not accepting, but like learning to overcome some of the some of the fear that she has of being dirty. He literally like runs his runs his finger like through the chalk well on a chalkboard and like wipes it on her nose and then leaves it there for like ten seconds before then wiping it away with the sleeve of his of his custodian's jumpsuit. And the whole time which I'm like, okay, is Emma just in like did Emma just blue screen or is she just so in love with Will that she's okay with him doing this? I feel like it's a combination of both. Yeah, probably. Because it's like, it's it shot and framed very romantically, but it's just... And they, they bring Looking Back back. The, the romantic music is back and it makes me happy. I love that song so much. Yeah, it's just, it's just a situation of like, if I, because I have a little bit of germ issues, not to the degree of Emma, but like, if someone did that, I would be throwing hands. Yeah. So I'm like... But you know... You know who is going to throw hands? Ken. Because when Emma goes to leave after realizing, oh no, this is getting A, too romantic, and B, uh, this is activating my germophobia, um, she moves out of the way, then we see Ken in the background looking through the blinds of this classroom window, and he is going to have words with Will. He's leering like a Degrassi character. Yup. <laughs> so then we cut to Rachel staging a, staging a musical coup. <laughs> Mr. Shu isn't coming. I paid a freshman to ask him about irregular verbs. <laughs> mm -hmm. which is like that's a very advanced freshman um i think when i was a freshman i think we only did like we did basic verb conjugation and a lot of nouns they could have just um, been a freshman who spoke spanish 
That's true. That's Will's, true. Will's biggest threat is someone who actually knows the language. <laughs> oh gosh, I can't wait for that part where he like literally like dons a sombrero later. Oh no. I mean, oh, oh yes, but so, oh no. I'm gonna have so much fun. Um, but yeah, Rachel says, um, we are going, we're not going to sing disco because disco sucks. We're changing the music. Listen to what I'm doing. They're like, yeah, you know what? Okay, fine. We're going to give them what they want. Yes. Sex. Well, first Kurt suggests blood. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be real hard to get out of the out of the floorboards in the mu- in the gym where they do their performances. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to um the Glee Club performing, Figgins announces them, and they immediately dive mm-hmm. into Push It by Salt and Peppa. Mm-hmm. I have a note here. Um, Kurt is wearing a fanny pack and Artie is wearing a tracksuit and a sweatband. <laughs> I I don't have any notes on Artie, but I do have the fanny pack note. Mm-hmm. My other notes are Finn is terrified. Yes. Emma can dig it. Mm-hmm. And Figgins is just vibing. Mm-hmm. He is, in fact, vibing. He's got his eyes closed. Um, he's swaying. He's letting the music flow through him. Mm-hmm. Quinn looks like she's having some uncomfortable realizations. <laughs> To be fair, the realization might just be, oh no, my boyfriend is really committed to doing this. Damn, he can pull off heterosexual while singing. This isn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And my note here is, Jiminy Christmas, how did they get this to fly on Fox? (laughs) No one knows. After this extremely long, well, not extremely long, after this musical number, which includes a lot of, like... Like, like fake grinding and stuff. The student body erupts into, like, anarchy. Because, like, to be fair, it is a pretty good performance of the song. Um, yeah, I, I listened to... The only thing I can remember from Jenna and Kevin's podcast on this episode was that they also don't know how they were able to get this performance on. Mm-hmm. And apparently they... Like, this was one of the clips streamed or, like, played for the investors at the upfronts. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Wow. They had been practicing. This is also the performance number that they had the most practice on in the first season because it was so early. Mm-hmm. And also probably because it, t- it has a lot more intense choreography than the others. Yeah. It's also funny how Ryan Murphy yelled at them for like humping each other behind the scenes <laughs> in the pilot. And I'm wondering if he then said, wait a second. I've got I can it. I put this in the show. Look, Ryan Murphy's a strange and chaotic and quixotic god of, of show running. <laughs> ours is not to know, ours is only to watch and riff. Ryan Murphy shows are not shows, they're just experiences. I mean, really, though. Horror story, come at me. So then we get to go to the principal's office again. <laughs> Will looks terrified. Sue can smell the blood in the water. This is the most disturbing thing that I have ever seen, and that includes an elementary school production of hair. Which could be fun. Those kids would have fun with whipping their hair back and forth. I guarantee that there's like a G-rated hair script out there that you can purchase for your oh, school. Oh, I'm sure. That contains I'm... no references to, you know, nudity or sex or drugs or possibly even race mm-hmm. or war. Yeah. It's just three. You get the elementary school production of hair, and the script is just the lyrics for the title song. Yep. Sue Sue demands that the that the Glee Club be be executed with prejudice, essentially. <laughs> and Figgins is like, "We're not going to do that, but I'm going to take away some of your dry cleaning money, so the Glee Club can finally get costumes. They don't have to assemble themselves." 
And also, we, Will, here is this list of pre-approved songs that are about Jesus, God, and balloons that he hands to Will printed on American flag stationery. Yeah, that Figgins got from his church. Mm-hmm. God bless. <laughs> um, so, hey, name all the songs you can think of that are about Jesus or God or have balloons in the names. Um, well, there's one mentioned shortly after the episode. Um, Jesus, he knows me. Uh, uh, that's it. That's the only song anyone ever sang about Jesus. I mean, I, um, how he, okay. Dipping into my, my welfare of Christian contemporary, um, how he loved Jesus. I trust in you. Um, prepare the way. Actually, no, I'm going to stop there because I can't think of any more without straining my brain and we don't have time for that. <laughs> After they have their meeting with Figgins, um, Will walks out of the office to find Rachel, who apologizes for the for the musical coup that she did. <laughs> and Will is upset with her. He says, I understand why you did what you did, but I don't like the way you did it, which is big teacher mood. <laughs> yeah. Especially, like, he points out that she risked the sanctity of the club, basically. That if, if Figgins wasn't a more understanding person, then he could have just shut down Glee Club then and there. Yeah, but they didn't, because Figgins is, at heart, a good character. Yeah. A well-intentioned character, we'll say. And he Will also hands Rachel the song list, and she says, What is a Luft balloon? And you know what? Hey, 99 Luft balloons slaps. Mm-hmm. So we have that meeting, and then we get to cut to Emma individually cleaning grapes in the lunchroom, which is like, oh, sweetie. Gonna be there a while. Yeah. And then Ken comes up. Ken, ugh. Um, but he gives her tickets to Tulapalooza. Which still sounds like a terrible idea, because there's gonna be so much pollen in the air. Yeah, but I'm like, there's tickets to this thing, it's not too far away, and there's gonna be lots of nice smells there. And I'm like, that's actually a thoughtful gift. I realize that it's intended as, you know, a date. Because um, then he mentions that chasing married people isn't good, which, okay, fine. Um, he mentions that, like, I'll put up with your crazy, which is not okay. No. And he says that he's a good guy, which is debatable. He's he's a nice guy. He is doing some good things. He's a nice guy, TM. Yeah. He is a nice guy, TM. But he is at least trying to make an effort to, like not gross Emma out anymore by licking his hand and then wiping it on her car handle. Yeah, that's still unforgivable. Yes. He does also say that nobody wants to be the rebound, even though he's got to realize that he is also the rebound. Yeah, I don't quite get his logic, but that's okay. He's not going to be around Glee for too much longer. Yeah, it's just like on top of everything else, he's weirdly possessive of, of Emma in a way that Will is not. Yeah. Like, Will and, for all the, the grief we're gonna give Will for years and years, the development of the relationship he has with Emma is actually good and makes sense and mm-hmm. I can get behind. And I can see why it was kind yeah. of, it was kind of the anchor for a lot of shipping in the Glee fandom, considering yeah. how uh, mercurial the teens and their feelings were. Mm-hmm. And, like, something that we also should mention about Will and Emma is that it's not a relationship about, like, possession in the sense of, like, like, oh, yes, like, I must have this woman, she is mine. Or, I must have this man, he is mine. It's very, like, like when when the song The Boy is Mine is used in the series, it's not Will and Emma being featured in it. 
<laughs> um, so that 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 is that is a good point in their corner. Aside from them just being genuinely really cute. Yes. Speaking of relationships. Speaking of being cute. Yes. Because I remembered, um, because watching this episode twice has made me remember my one of my first OTPs, which was Finn and Rachel. Yeah. Um. So they they're in the auditorium on the stage doing what I assume is some kind of range extender. But what they're doing is she's having Finn sing single notes, which is not how range extenders work. I don't even know if it was a range extender. I think it's just Rachel showing Finn what notes are. Oh, Finn. Finn, like, Finn has zero experience with any kind of singing stuff. And yeah. presumably at some point he's going to have to learn to read sheet music. And to do that, he's going to have to understand, like, what notes are. Mm-hmm. So it's basically Rachel hits the key on the piano and Finn tries to match. No! And, and they, they basically they see what his range is to begin with. Okay. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. I'm used to like ra- like even like testing range being like, okay, do the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
Yes. But also it's really cute because like it's because they get to have a kiss and it's really romantic and it's sweet and Rachel is like I don't know what to like oh I'm like I'm sorry. I'd also like to take a moment here that it's really cute that they have each other's consent before they have this kiss. Yes. If they're like She's like, you can, if you want to, you can kiss me. And he's like, yes, I want to kiss you. And then they kiss and consent is good. And then the mailman. Yes. Wah, wah. Finn has to do his, he has to do his coping mechanism because that, because it's a real good kiss. Um, And he says, I'm sorry, I have to go. He runs away. Rachel cries. She's naturally mortified. Yes. And like, okay, I have a medical question here. Okay. If, if if Finn is getting aroused that quickly, should he be seeing a doctor about that? No. Okay. Because that's just how that's just how the penis works sometimes. Yeah, do, do you need me to go into No. <laughs> okay. No, I'm I am aware of how it works. I mean, I just wanted to like is is this like a medical concern at this point? No, it's teens being completely made out of nerves. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, probably literally. Too many neurons for their own good. So speaking of weird medical shit, <laughs> um, we get to go to we get to go have an OBGYN appointment with Terry. She is being tended to by a doctor who is played by Kenneth Choi, aka Jim Marita from Captain America and Spider Man. Kenneth Choi being more stuff challenge. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he was apparently on um oh gosh one of the motorcycle shows for a really long time. Sons of Anarchy. Yes. That's the I th- that's the only motorcycle show I know. Yeah, of. it is Sons of Anarchy. I couldn't remember the name, but I looked him up before we started recording. And yes, excuse me, but yeah, uh, Doctor Tanner, tell us what Terry's diagnosis is. The baby fell out. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so she goes in because she wants to know. What's what's up with the baby? She's getting the ultrasound. Yeah, she's ha- she's and, having a normal pregnant a normal pregnant person appointment. Yeah, and uh, the doctor he like he he uses some vague wording to basically like he says that she's clear and she's like oh the baby's good and he's like no you're there's no baby you're not pregnant. She does not take this well. <laughs> yeah, he explains that she's having a hysterical pregnancy, which is when the body has like the person wants the body. Hang on. The person wants the baby so much that the body goes through all the pregnancy symptoms without actually carrying a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, if you watch TV, apparently this is very common, but I feel like I would have heard of people in my life having had those. Maybe it's that you just, uh, maybe it's that you know enough, the people in your life that you know who are capable of having children are generally more well-adjusted than that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's true. Also, I wonder, I mean, I haven't done very much looking into this, but I feel like it never proceeds as far as TV shows point out it can. I mean, I guess as we go forward, we'll see the Glee probably portrays it realistically and that this is the only episode that's brought up. Um, I did once see an episode of CSI where, like, there was a girl who looked like she was in the final trimester. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, no, it was hysterical. Yeah, I haven't done much research, I haven't done much research into it either, but I am inclined to say that that's probably a pretty accurate portrayal. A pretty accurate generalized portrayal of hysterical pregnancies. Yeah. Also, the OBGYN does mention that he can see a chicken wing <laughs> inside yeah. of Terry that she must have swallowed whole. Yeah. Which is like, okay, first off, 
if he was doing an ultrasound, he wouldn't be looking at her stomach. He'd be looking at her at her her uterus. How did how did chicken wing get in there? Um. Well, you see, ain't no thing. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. They don't need science. They're 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 the writers for a show about musicals. <laughs> he, um. She she was not blinded by science. No. No. Or no. maybe she was. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. If anything, Will is blinded by science. Someone was blinded. Science may or may not have been involved. Mm -hmm. So then we have another good old-fashioned whiplash. (laughs) Because then we get to cut to um, the unholy trinity of Quinn, Santana, and Brittany. It's Brittany! Brittany's here! It's Brittany, bitch! The first official appearance of the unholy trinity of Quinn, Santana, and Brittany. Actually, wait. I love them. They they were in, they were all in the celibacy club scene. But in this one, they get to actually be, like, individual characters. So. Yes. But yeah, they're here. Um, and my note here is, um, I can't wait for the three of them to be in a poly relationship. <laughs> <laughs> they're almost there. I'm sure it happened after the show finished. Oh, yes. But yeah, um, so they're there to be the moles for Sue to take down Glee Club from the inside. Well, first they have to audition, and they do a really good number of Say a Little Prayer, which is headed by Quinn and backed up by Santana and Brittany. Mm-hmm. It's the first time we get to hear Diana Egron sing, and I really love her voice, and I really love yeah. the songs that she gets to sing throughout the show. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes they kind of just force songs into people, even if they're not necessarily in their repertoire. Yeah. But Diana's voice has a... a like, Haters may say she's reedy, but I find that has a unique quality that lends itself to a lot of very specific songs that give mm-hmm. them a really good sound. Oh yeah, like there there is a particular song I'm thinking of that like once we get there, like she is going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Like she's gonna it's a man's man's world. Oh yeah. Like she when once we get there, she is going to blow that song out of the park. Because it's a more kind of jazzy bluesy song. And it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they audition. Also, mm-hmm. this is apparently the meme dance, even though I never actually saw any dances from this go viral. I was just told no, that the dance either. is now a meme. Okay, duly noted. Afterward, she's called into Sue's office and Sue's like, explain yourself why, you're, who, why you have joined Glee Club. And Quinn says that she has to because the that gr- gremlin or whatever she calls Rachel. Yeah, she refers to Rachel as it, which fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Basically, she says Rachel was throwing herself at Finn and she has to make sure that she can stand by her man and make sure that he's not seduced by Rachel's, I don't know, musical wild or something. Yeah, right. And that's when Sue says, this is an excellent opportunity for sin. And Yes. <laughs> and declares that the Cheerios will now be her moles inside the Glee Club and undermine them from within. Mm-hmm. Which is real great. Let's see how long Brittany remembers that. <laughs> I do have this written down as the Trojan Cheerios. Yes, that's good. Then we cut to Emma cleaning a water fountain. Before using it, which is a very logical and reasonable thing to do. Yeah. So Will comes up and he asks if he can lend a hand and if she wants to help him out when he's doing janitor stuff later that day. And he's like, Emma... I got new antibacterial wipes. <laughs> and I'm like, nerd. Yeah, but she, she basically breaks it off because she points out, you're married you're expecting a child, it's kind of ridiculous for me to try and seduce you, and more so that you're reciprocating. So we gotta stop. Yeah, and he's like, I don't understand what's going on here. Well, get ready for not understanding more things. Yep. Will comes home to Terry, uh, because she she has cooked him dinner to show that she's actually grateful for how much he's been trying to meet her wishes, Mm -hmm. but she basically says that 
he he doesn't need to. Like, we don't need all the fancy stuff and whatnot. And also, good news about the baby, it's a boy! Yeah. Terry is like, it's okay, like, we can stay, like, we don't have to worry about moving houses. Uh, I'll give up my craft room for the baby. And then she flat out says to Will, the only project that I want to work on now is us. And then they hug and she literally, like, looks over the camera like, oh god, what am I gonna do now? I have it written down as a good decision nested within a bad decision. Because, yay, Terry is going to work on the relationship and give more than she takes. Yeah. But also you're doing this in order to distract from your cunning ruse of a fake pregnancy. Yeah, because it's, yeah, we're going into a fake pregnancy plot, y'all, and it's not going to be super great. (laughs) It's going to be very, very madcap, but also yikes. (laughs) It's it's going to be the kind of thing that if it happened in real life, I'd probably show up on a true crime podcast. But since it's happening in Glee, it's wild and delightful. Mm-hmm. Since it's happening in Glee, this is not the craziest thing that is going to happen over the course of the show. Since it's happening in a universe that doesn't follow the usual logical strings. Yeah. I think the last scene is the last musical number. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it is the last musical number. Because um, Will and Rachel get to talk before before a practice. And Rachel's upset that Will is giving her solo and don't stop believing to Quinn. And Will is like, well, now that there's more singers than you, Rachel, we have to divide up the solos. Which does not please her. Um, this will be a recurring, a recurring theme for the whole show. But he does apologize to Rachel for, like, being harsh and stuff. And he mentions, like... Yeah, like, what happened at the assembly was both of our faults, like, like it was your fault for, like, doing this without, like, getting any kind of approval, but it was also my fault for not really listening to you guys, and I'm like, okay, that's fine, that shows growth. Will the growth stay? Well, we'll have to stay tuned to find out, but in the meantime, yeah. it's time for some Rihanna. And this is, this is a partially diegetic musical number, <laughs> because the parts that are diegetic are, so, like, Actually, like, this is existing in the canon, in the situation where it's being sung, are the parts where Rachel is singing this song using her brush as a microphone and singing it to herself in the mirror and crying. That's diegetic. That is happening as she is singing. And the part where she's singing with Tina and Mercedes on the stage, that is also happening. That is singing as it happens. But the part that isn't is the part where she's literally just staring at Quinn and Finn in the hallway and singing this song. And she's mostly fixated on Finn as far as I can remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's just one they want you to think. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so they they sing it and then it just kind of fades out over them being sad. Yeah. Well, I don't think we had mentioned that. They're they're singing Take a Bow. Yes, Take a Bow. By Rihanna. Which is one of my favorite Rihanna songs. Yeah. Now, I don't think this is better than the original just because it's very hard to top Rihanna. Mm Mm-hmm. But... It's very well done, like, very well sung, and also they uh, shoot it and craft it well enough that you can actually care about Rachel's heart being broken, even though she's mm-hmm. only no Finn for, like, two weeks. Because, like, knowing this song was coming up, I was prepared to be like, oh, this is so silly, like, you barely know the guy, like, it, it doesn't matter, why are you so melodramatic? Mm-hmm. But factoring in, like, the teen and the acting and yeah. the way that their showmance kind of ended, which was... As far as Rachel knows, it's Finn yelling, running off, and leaving her alone in the auditorium, which yeah. is a mortifying ordeal. Yeah, as, as far as Rachel knows, their their budding romance has been ended because maybe she did something wrong. Yeah. And that 
and that whatever it was that she did wrong has made Finn ashamed of her and doesn't want to talk to her anymore. Yeah, so, like, w- with the better context, I understand, and I understand how torn up she is. I can get behind mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that's it. We fade out from that song. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, I started. What was your... What, uh, what did we do last time? Did we did we keep it... To, I think we're just doing moments. And yeah, if, I, if I think... the songs are moments, that's fine, but we don't have to specify the songs themselves. Um, I don't have... I don't have a best song for this episode, but I think my best moment is... Hmm... I think my best moment is going to be, like, the genuine apology from um, Will to Rachel about, like, yes, hey, we both messed up here and we're going to do our best to learn from it and overcome it because I'm going to take all of the good, sensible character interactions that I can get. (laughs) Actually, no, 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 stop. Amend that. (laughs) Best moment is is the really cute scene with consent kissing from Finn and Rachel. That's that's my best. Tanner, what's your best? Um, I think my best... It's probably one of the one-liners. I think it's just the whole exchange with Terry at the OBGYN. I think it has just some of the best ridiculous lines. And uh, it's kind of a, a litmus test for the preposterousness of a lot of the show, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I... I love how wild the fake pregnancy plotline got as the show went on. So this mm-hmm. being the start of it, I'm like, ah, yes. It now does we get begin. Wild. Now Glee truly begins. <laughs> and Tanner, Tanner has steepled their their hands to tap their fingers together. <laughs> um, how about your? Which moment gets a slushy? Um, definitely the all the moments where Rachel is dehumanized as a person. <laughs> Whether it's through the uh, the teardowns of her self-worth or just through the fact that Quinn refers to her both both face-to-face and in private as, like, it and man-hands. Yeah. Hey. Thankfully, that does not continue throughout the rest of the show. It changes yeah. at some point. I think, I think my worst thing is still the exposure therapy. Because as, as good as it was, it's just it's one of those things that rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Also, just in closing notes, I don't think these hit my... Oh, no, actually, hang on. I have a new best. It's the the Gold Digger number. And not so much for the song itself, just everything that happens in that song. Mm-hmm. Just because it, it's really cute how Will is taking the time to teach the kids. And he's, like, showing Finn how to sing and dance at the same time. Here's he's, how you move your feet, Finn. He's demonstrating choreography to them. He's trying to help Kurt get into the pocket, which he cannot do because he is still porcelain gay made of matchsticks. Yeah. Kurt trying to do the devil horns and being straight to Mercedes is like, is this a thing? That's good. That's good. <laughs> I support your best. Um, just, I, my other note is just that I don't think that song list that Figgins gave the club ever comes into play again. No, it, it'd be wild to see like what they actually had on that list, though. I'm sure someone's probably compiled a list somewhere. I'm sure if I go on Spotify, I mean, the other day Dad was looking for songs that had distance in the title, so I'm sure we can easily find songs that have God and Jesus and balloons. Oh, yes, I'm sure we can. Oh, I I, I remember reading a bit of trivia that I didn't mention. Um, this is the last episode that all three creators wrote until the quarterback. Huh. 
So, like, from this point on, like, isn't it Ryan, Brad, and Ian? Is that correct? Yeah, like, Ryan, Brad, and Ian are the R.I.B. collective. Yes. Yeah, so this is the last episode that Ryan, Ian, and Brad all worked on together until the quarterback of season, what, like, four? Five. <laughs> four or five, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause so... <laughs> going on for these next two seasons, like, they're all still writing the episodes, but they basically rotate instead of collaborating Mm -hmm. yeah so going forward we're going to get to keep an if we keep an eye on like who is writing which episodes we'll get to figure out like what are the hallmarks of each writer's work Mm -hmm. i think i think we get to all of the closing notes okay cool in that case then here is the outro (laughs) looser like me is produced in association with the quarter podcast network We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at LoserLikeMePod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. And And that's that's what you missed missed on on Glee! Glee. Up, up and away, my beautiful, my beautiful balloon. I thought of one more. Oh no. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Loser like me uh, Phil asks if he can lend a hand and, um, if she wants Wait, to help him out. You said, you said Phil. Oh, whoops. <laughs> wrong, wrong husband. <laughs> <laughs>